our thought life requires humility. The difference between pride and humility is like the difference between darkness and light. Christ is our example. We can trust him to work all our trying situations for good in our lives. This week, Dr. Dixon challenges us to keep the same attitude of humility that Jesus had. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, you know, I want to talk with you today from the perspective of how humility is a choice. It's so much going on in our society on today. And if we would just stop and humble ourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift us up. God is so good. I believe the word of God. I believe that God is doing some great and mighty things in this hour. And I just want to talk about humility and how it will take you to places that you never thought you could go. But before I can talk about humility, I must also bring out pride because pride lives and thrives in the heart of every human being. Ah, I know I just said something you're going to have to think about because often it's very obvious and at other times it's very devious. It has an infinite number of disguises, even in the form of humility. You see people that desire honor. It's often the motivation for excelling in whatever areas of gifting they have for perfectionism and and good deeds. But they desire that honor. That's pride. The natural mind is very creative in forging excuses for our pride and in creating ways to hide it. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to know the difference between human pride and the good feeling that comes from honoring God by being obedient to his will. Pride is rooted in selfhood, while obedience is rooted in humility and faith. Pride leads to comparisons, self-exaltation, and the putting down of others, while obedience brings glory to God and fills us with a peace that goes beyond our understanding. Pride lavishes honor on self. Humility does not take credit for doing the will of God, for it recognizes that it is the Christ in us who makes us willing and enables us to do his will. All honor and praise belong to God and should be given to him. You know, the human mind has conjured up so many ideas as to what humility consists of. And many people think it consists of feeling downtrodden and depressed or unimportant or of little value. To make their humility known, they often have sad, pious expressions on their faces. They wear clothes to match. (laughs) You know, these feelings don't help us. No, everybody got on the same thing. Everybody looked the same way. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. This won't help you grow spiritually. And and you know what? These feelings do not come from God. They are the counterfeits of true humility. Counterfeits don't help you to overcome your fleshly desires. You can pass laws that tell you not to hate anyone, not to steal from others, not to be jealous of others, etc., etc. But these laws don't help you to overcome those desires. Laws never give you any help to fulfill your demands. In fact, They only increase your desire to outwit them. These are matters which have to be, for sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. That's Colossians 2 and 23. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, it's saying that 
things like this, these matters, they only have the appearance of wisdom. But all self-effort is futile against pride. Today, our teachings come from God. Everything that we're given about our lives and what we're doing, whatever is going on, however it's going on, it's of no spiritual value if you're not receiving the teachings from God and coming up to it and living by it. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head for whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with the growth, which is from God. That's Colossians 2 verses 18 and 19. I love the book of Colossians, the way I categorize it in my mind. And when I'm thinking about Colossians, you know, you put on and you put off. That's what Colossians is all about, what you put on and what you pull off. You know, pride wants to infiltrate everything you do. That's something you need to pull off. (laughs) Both the good and the bad. Pride wants to come in on it. It is an effective motivator and manipulator. So parents, pastors, teachers, politicians, they often make use of it. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what else? We can have pride in everything that you do. Oh, yes. In your self-abasement, in your being a better Christian than others, in having more visions, having a greater ministry, having great biblical insights, being more honest, more spiritual, more generous, better church attenders, greater intercessors, or whatever. In pride, you begin to attribute self to be the underlying strength to these virtues. It's difficult for us to recognize that all self-effort has its roots in the law. We need to remember that. We are God's workmanship. Oh, come on, Paul in Ephesians. And everything that God gives us is a gift that is rooted in his mercy, in his grace, in his love. Oh, yes, it's rooted in there. And if we take credit for what God has given us, we are robbing God of the honor and the praise that is his due. This is pride. And pride will defraud you of your prize. Mm. In order to ascertain the true meaning of humility, I want to look at some scriptures today. And it's where uh, Jesus said in Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 29 and 30. And he began to talk and he said that he was humble and lowly of heart. So he is our perfect example of true humility. Did he downgrade himself? Not at all. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, praise God. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus knew who he was. He knew. He knew that God was his father. He knew that he had come to do the father's will. He learned as he lived. He said, I have learned obedience through the things that I have suffered. So he lived and he spoke in agreement with that knowledge of knowing who he was, of knowing who his father was, was knowing that he had come to do the will of his father. There was nothing wishy-washy about him. He spoke with authority. He cleansed the temple. He dared to tell the scribes and the Pharisees that they were whitened sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I can readily understand that. Glory to God. God, hallelujah, and his anger, oh, with them, but their anger, when they heard this, oh, 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 Pharisees, oh, Sadducees, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm back. Mm. He healed the sick. Yes, he did. He raised the dead. 
I'm telling you, all of this was going on. When you humble yourself, there are great things that God will do through you. And you know it's not you. You know that it is God that worketh his will to do oh, inside of you. Oh, glory to God. But I tell you one thing. They got angry when they heard Jesus tell them this about themselves, the Pharisees. But he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He calmed the raging sea. He fed the multitudes. And he washed the disciples' feet and did not receive glory and honor from people. He only did the will of the Father. He never did his own will. He was always obedient to the Father's will, regardless of the cost to human dignity and the horrible pain produced by torture. Lord, have mercy on that cross. Oh, it was his humility that enabled him to submit his will to the Father's will. And that, that humility come in there. Let me tell you, when you're going through, oh, the most extreme circumstance, trial, tribulation, it is humility that will allow you to step back and yet do the Father's will. Philippians 2, 5 and 8 says, we're told about this attitude that Jesus had. Yeah. Have this attitude in yourselves. Yeah, this is what it says. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself out. Oh, praise God. Taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Oh, again, our attention is drawn to his humility. He emptied himself out. If you want to resemble God's family, you got to empty yourself out. (laughs) Christ did not insist on his own rights. He emptied himself. Of all desires that were against the will of God. He knew he was the only begotten son of his father, God. And that all things had been created through him. He knew that he had the power to come down from the cross. He had the correct estimate of himself. He knew that he was the beginning of the new humanity that would reveal the invisible father to the world. He also knew that humility is the key. To obedience without humility, it is impossible to submit your will to the Father's will because your will will always seem best to you. Uh, But however you can, only glorify the Father. You got to do it by doing his will. Doing our own will is disobedience. It's not an option. Christ recognized the fact that it was not an option for him. In obedience to the Father's will, he humbled himself to become a servant, to allow himself to be rejected. He allowed himself to be ridiculed and despised. His willingness to become a servant and to suffer was not due to an inferiority complex or from putting himself down. It came out of his unity with his Father and with his Father's will. Well, That's a concept that's very foreign to a lot of natural thinking because it's not natural. 
It's got to be done. See, that's why I love this season that we're in, Pentecost. Because it's done because of that unity that you have. Why do you think Jesus prayed in John the 17th chapter? Lord, let them be one as you and I one. He was saying, God, let them walk in unity with you as you and I walk in unity. What was he saying? Father, let them begin to do your will and let nothing else come before that. Oh, let them be willing to become a servant and even to suffer. That's not suffering uh-uh, for your sake, but for Christ's sake. So that means that you're going to be misunderstood and people may even have uh, some things to say about you and reject you and despise you and ridicule you. That's the suffering I'm talking about there for Christ's sake. But he said, let them become one father. Let them begin to unify with you. That's what Jesus's prayer was in John 17. Let me tell you one thing. As children of God, you've got to begin to see yourself not as being a sinner, but you've got to begin to see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. Have the correct estimate of yourself. Listen, do you think you deserve the best because you're king's kids or you have a higher opinion of yourself than you ought to have? Tell me, which way is it? Do you have more rights than Christ had? Let me tell you one thing. You better realize that unless you receive a revelation from God in regard to the utter depravity and pride that resides on the inside of you in this natural man, you'll always think you're better than you actually are. Oh, but God will give, I mean, he'll begin to show you things. He'll, oh my goodness. He'll begin to show you that who you are because you belong to him. And then, you know, the Bible lets us know, see, when you belong to God, there are special privileges. He doesn't have any respect of a person, but there are special privileges that come to you for being in the family of God. Oh, isn't it good? Glory to God. And I'm telling you, when you do that, I'm telling you, God will do such great and mighty things in your life. He'll open up the floodgates of heaven. Oh, my goodness. And let me tell you, even your prayer life will start changing. Yes, it will. Oh, because pride is gone. Oh, Paul even asked God, remove this thorn out of my flesh to keep him from becoming proud. Oh, we all have it. And we have to pray and humble ourselves before God and receive who we are in him. Oh, my goodness. And God begins to show us the greatness that he has for us, that he has prepared for us and this generation to receive in this hour. It is revealed by the spirit. Mm. God is so good. He wants you to begin to see that humility is foundational for doing the will of God. It is the key to being set free from jealousy, bitterness, a desire for control and honor, and blaming others for your own imperfection. It is the key for being set free from your worship of traditions and yourself. Mm -hmm. Worshiping self. It also, since pride and desire for honor and acceptance will keep you uh, in your traditions, in your creeds and doctrines and modes of worship, Humility is also the key to receiving revelation truth. Just like the Jewish leaders in crisis time, they couldn't understand Christ's teaching. And many of the leaders in today's churches, they can't understand the spiritual message of the scriptures. So their teaching remains in the earthly carnal realm. Mm. This obliterates the true spiritual message and it opens the way for substitutions to take the place of Christ. Humility is the key to obedience. To the promptings of the Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I was just talking with um, a group of my leaders. We had a meeting. 
And I, I was just sharing with them and, and talking with them of how what a blessing it is to be where revelation is flowing out in this hour and getting you ready for the new that God wants to do. Well, those of us who are in Christ, new things happening. Oh, it's just a different form that it takes, but it's the same situation that God uh, have us to begin to think creatively and outside of the box. And these times that we're in today is demanding it. And let me tell you, those that are trying to stay uh, inside the box and uh, keeping their teachings earthly and in the carnal realm, you're obliterating what's really getting ready to take place in this hour. Oh, my goodness, I'm telling you what God is getting ready to do. His greatness is ready to come forth as never before. And the key to greatness in the sight of God is humility. Matthew 18 and 4 says, Whoever then humbles themselves as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, since humility is so important, let me tell you, you need to hold on to it. It's something that you should want to have. But humility is a choice. It doesn't mean thinking of yourself less. It means thinking of others and God more. (laughs) Well, my prayer for you is that God will bring you into a place of humility as never before and that you will experience the success of believing God. Oh, and if you are not, that you will begin to let go of pride and repent today. Change your perspective about who you are and where your success comes from. Oh, I tell you one thing. My prayer for you that as you do that, The Bible says, for those who exalt themselves will be humble. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I am Carol Dixon, and this is Dash. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Dash is connecting to millions of people all over the globe. And we are asking our listeners to help us continue to further our reach by giving. Through your generous gift and donations, it helps us to disseminate this podcast to your location and all over the world. And since DASH is a 501c3 organization, every generous gift is tax deductible. To learn more, please email us at imcaroldixon at gmail.com. For we want to serve billions of people positively, productively, and prayerfully. We want to thank you for being a part of the Dash community, for you are the very best part of Dash Podcast. And remember, Dash is always on.